Welcome to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. What you hear in the next hour could very well save your life. Now here's your host, Sharon Kleina. want to invite you to listen to the Sharon Kleina Hour, The Power of Water and Water Life Science Studies. That's my background. Thirteen years ago, I decided, soon 14, I would like to have my own radio show with Voice America and World Talk Radio, and we syndicated along the way. To be able to reach out to the world and discuss a subject that I knew that was being overlooked, water, how vital it is. And I'm not just talking about turning on your faucet. I'm talking about water on the planet Earth that started the origination of everything that's been created. It created time to be for eternity with water. With no water, there is no eternity. Without the water, you have no anything to be able to thrive the planet Earth for the breath of life, for on Earth, to save lives, our Earth, and all that's there in life of the Earth, whether it be the soil, what human life, the aquifers that are below, they forget to keep filling if if there's a drought, That moisture that's in the air is life, too. You have a percentage of water per organ in your body. That became my research over almost 40 years ago. I found possibly there's something there that we've overlooked. We need to study those percentages of water in the human body to understand the behavior of that body when it's born to begin to evaporate like a sponge coming out of a glass of water with the atmospheric water vapor. It's, been, it's, it's vital till they connect. And it's like many of the scientists that have come on and said, it's like a battery. It's like an electric charge the water and the air living with the human life. But it's that way about with everything on this planet. Now, today, we're going to have a very important guest, Dr. David Clark in Portland, Oregon, has been studying and researching behavior of stress and mental problems with people, the stress that causes you to have mental problems and you don't even know that your body is being affected by that. And it could go into addiction. And it goes into other things, other um, symptoms that could cause disease and problems. Stress. And what happens to sneak up on us. Now, What's going on in our countries all over the world with COVID-19 has been a real challenge to many people because there wasn't any forewarning. It became what's called a pandemic. 
And that strain is very challenging to understand. Scientists all over the world and physicians have been studying that now, trying to figure it out, what they can do. Now, then we started having, on the west coast of the United States, fires, problems with fire. Things were changing in those forests and in those locations up and down the whole west coast. And I noticed 40 years ago when I studied the behavior of the atmosphere, I noticed they weren't noticing that if you're not wise enough to keep the forest manicured and keep the forest clean, it had become an inferno to any spark, anything at all. Because the soil changes. Now, I'm going to take you with me on that one. I'm going to tell you, when the soil changes, it begins more granule sand in many places. The insects are starving to live with moisture. They're soaking up everything they can soak in the forest when they're not, when they're not kept clean. Those forests have to be or the insects go crazy and the forest becomes a potential spark plug. And when you have a spark plug out there in the forest next to the freeways without maintaining it, it will cause what happened. Now, we've got many that are saying... It's another issue. There's another issue called our climate is changing forever on this planet Earth from the climate, from the beginning of time. It's been changing. Have you, but something I'm going to share with you is the oceans. They've been using the oceans for a garbage dump for a long time. Now, think about it. If you took a pond in your yard and stuck some once in a while some garbage in it, rather than taking it to the sanitation, all of a sudden you'd find that the temperature in the pond would begin to change. And the acidic balance of the water in the pond would it be changing? What we've got to learn with what is going on that's now impacting families, again, if it wasn't COVID-19 and all the problems there, the mental stress and exhaustion, loss of work, people literally emotionally trying to hold on to all the faith they can with each other, and be strong. Now they're losing their homes with fire. They're losing their businesses with fire. We've got to really think about the issue of water on this planet. 
it should be a priority to everything. And that study that I've been doing for over almost 40 years about the water in the body and its evaporation and how it operates per organ to live with that atmosphere, to kind of relieve what could be the stress and problems of our mental challenges are challenging for even young little ones because it affects them too with their families when they're affected. Now, with Dr. David Clark today, I'm going to bring him on here in a minute. Um, we're going to be discussing his, his world and his research. I'm very much impressed about his background and his dedication, his passion. I've been, and it's possible that he can also help you think how to think and how to value how to rationalize stress, mental, or even if you have addiction. I don't blame a person with addiction. I think the body did it to them. They just didn't know it was coming on. No different than stress can come on. It happens. We're only, we're only human. Well, listen to our sponsor first, Nature's Tears Eye Mist. The surface of the eye, they have now known, is a carrier of the strain of the virus. Why? At the surface of the eye, there's 99% water. That water must be maintained to slow down the evaporation. So the evaporation slows down, and it must be pH balanced for immunity strength for the organ of the eye. When that eyelid opens from birth, it's open. That organ is open to the world more than any other organ behind your skin in your body. Your oral cavity of your mouth when you talk. When you just open your mouth to have a voice of something. Once in a while, there's a little spit that comes out. Because that's what's giving you your tone of voice. From the oral cavity of the tongue. That's the way it is. That becomes a carrier to, if you touch the eye, if by chance... You touch somewhere where somebody has had carrying the virus. Goes into the eye. Well, Nature's Tears Eye Mist was invented many years ago in research and developed a global study together how to maintain that immunity strength of the eye with a tissue culture grade of water with just a mist, so simple, very universal, goes with the refractive eye surgeries, goes with the eye drops, it goes for every day, what's called dry eye and sensitive complaints to the eye with just a simple mist. Well, listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears Eye Mist, and we'll be back with Dr. David Clark.
stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast all the time the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts voiceamerica.com discover the secret of nature's tears eye mist an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops when your tear film is dry your eyes feel dry Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All-natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. You're listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dr. Clark, are you with us? I sure am. Nice to be with you. Well, Dr. Clark, thank you. Audience, I want to introduce to you Dr. David Clark. He's in Portland, Oregon. And historically... You too, doctor. This is a very historical time of all of our lives. Um, I'm an Oregonian. Yeah, you're, you're, up, you're up in Portland. And we're coming through with your, your research has been studying the behavior of stress on people, the mental conditions of that, and how it kind of sneaks up on you. And it could be any age uh, anyone. And today it's just timely that you came on. But what, and what I do with the guests, doctor, is I always let the guests tell us about their life. Where did you grow up? How did you get what you're doing today? And why did you choose to study the behavior of stress and the mental problems of our lives? Well, I, I grew up on the East Coast, went to medical school there, and then uh, because my wife is from Southern California, I did my post-medical school training at uh, UCLA for five years. And, you know, so it was a total of nine years of, of training and education, and it was sort of toward the end of that that I first encountered a patient who was physically ill due to stress in their life. And I really hadn't had much formal education about that. There honestly isn't nearly enough uh, exposure to these ideas um, in standard medical school and residency training. But this patient had baffled two different universities, including UCLA. We had a very serious uh, set of symptoms that she was suffering from, and we couldn't figure out uh, what was going on. There seemed to be no organ disease to explain it. Uh, There was no structural abnormality that 
could account for why she'd been ill for two years. This was a woman who was uh, in her mid-30s. And I accidentally stumbled on the fact that she was struggling with a major stress in her life. It happened to have been issues that had occurred when she was a child, and yet they hadn't been active in her life for 25 years, but they were still um, having an impact. Um, I just, at at the time, didn't know enough about this uh, to really understand it, but I was very fortunate to have access to a psychiatrist at UCLA who did understand this connection between stress and the mind and the body. And I referred the patient to the psychiatrist, not really expecting much to come of it. It was just a last resort for that patient. We had nothing else to offer her. And I was shocked a few months later when I ran into the psychiatrist in an elevator and just to make conversation, asked her about what had become of this patient. And the patient was now entirely well. This very severe set of symptoms that she was coping with had been completely relieved uh, just through counseling once a week with the psychiatrist for less than three months. And that just absolutely shocked me. I had no idea and no exposure in my training up to that point that such a thing was even possible. So, you know, I thought, you know, naively at the time that I might encounter a patient or two along the way um, in my future career. So I kind of prevailed on the psychiatrist to show me some of her thinking along these lines and to sit in with us in our outpatient uh, clinic Uh, in case we would encounter patients there that might benefit from her expertise. And that's how I got my start, understanding that uh, stress in people's lives, even stresses that they don't fully recognize the impact of, uh, can actually cause real physical symptoms uh, in people Mm -hmm. that don't have uh, an organ disease or a structural abnormality or Mm -hmm. a diagnostic test that shows where those symptoms are coming from. And, Mm -hmm. you know, again, I didn't think this was going to be an issue for very many people in my practice. And as I uh, moved on from my training uh, to begin my career in Portland, Oregon, um, I just assumed I would be a garden variety specialist uh, in gastroenterology, which was my field. Uh, But I quickly found that um, about one in three of my patients, you know, there wasn't an ulcer, there wasn't a gallstone, there wasn't liver disease, there wasn't inflammation of the bowel, there was stress. Um, And this Mm -hmm. this shocked me. And I I began to use the techniques that I had learned from the psychiatrist, Harriet Kaplan, and that began my my further uh, education. And there was still quite a steep learning curve I had to follow. Uh, It took several years of interviewing uh, literally hundreds of patients a year before I began to really understand uh, the kinds of stresses that could make people ill, uh, the process by which they made people ill, and most importantly, the fact that you can achieve outstanding outcomes uh, through treating these issues. Once you identify the stresses, there's almost always something positive you can do. So in a nutshell, that's, that's been my process. And, you know, here we are 35 years later, and I've done detailed interviews with over 7,000 patients uh, who had these issues and, you know, written books, established a website, and 
with my colleagues who do this work. Uh, I have a nonprofit now that uh, teaches people um, all over the world uh, how to diagnose and treat this condition, and that's the so you opened Psychophysiologic up, you opened Disorders up a Association. Door. You opened up a door for looking at a new evaluation for diagnosis. Yes. Um, you know, in, I, it's almost embarrassing as a physician to admit that it wasn't part of um, my standard um, uh, formal training and education. And Can I still, share one with you, though? Today is not. Yeah. I'll share with one because I've been in research for a long time with what I do. And I found when I go in and I look at the root of what is the beginning of a root, how it begins to develop, the beginning of the root, you find that to be fair to the medical field and to all the pharmaceutical and to everyone, because so much changed in the early 1900s is what I noticed, Dr. Clark, is they got to where they had to go raise their own funding, capital, came, whether it would be grant, foundation money, or funding. And they found themselves getting into a territory where everybody would be somewhat <clears throat> familiar. And to open up now, you might agree with me or not, to open up a door of some new evaluations to, to study wasn't always what would get you your funding because it would might take too long. Now, I look at it this way, to be fair. Um, I, re- I jumped in to do something different, and I knew I had to figure it out myself on my own here, bringing in scientists and what I do all over the world. I agree with you about the stress of the body and its immunity strength dealing with stress because the body has to live with that evaporation from birth. And I've looked at it this way. That baby comes to birth in that delivery room and you like coming out of a, a sponge out of a glass of water. It begins to evaporate. I'm not going to say dehydration. What does that do when there's no two eyes alike, no two fingerprints alike? Everybody's different. Everybody's evaporating differently to live with the water vapor of the atmosphere. On our show here, Dr. Clark, we bring in scientists that say that we're like a lightning rod at the beginning, right there and then, because we're having, we're living with the, with the, um, electric water of the vapor of the air. It brings us together with evaporation from that moment on. Um, stress begins. How the person well, it deals certainly with does. it. Yes. And it depends. And we have to be fair to the baby because everybody has a different re- relationship with nature of how they're living with that atmosphere too and all that environment around them to live. I admire you for what you did there. 
Um, I find today, and you can tell us, coming through COVID-19 was quite a challenge probably for a lot of people. They felt isolated. They felt claustrophobic, losing their jobs, losing, um, having to stay home. What have you been learning before I get into the rest of this, what's gone on since, with COVID-19, for example, what have you found that people are challenged with um, and the people with addiction, what they're challenged with right now because of this COVID-19 and this claustrophobic, what's, what it's doing to challenge everybody, people's lives? What have you found that some of the secrets are to help them? Well, it uh, absolutely adds to the stress that people already have in their lives. That's one of the areas that I routinely investigate is uh, are people experiencing a personal crisis or a problem with a relationship or their family or their neighbors or their workplace? And you take all of those stresses and you, if you're a person of color or a uh, sexual minority or a woman, you can experience additional stresses because of those issues. And then you throw on top of that um, the COVID-19, which has caused people to be isolated, people who are in vulnerable groups, uh, fear for themselves or their loved ones that they might get this infection. And we've seen in statistics that anxiety and depression, which are uh, two of the major sources of stress that can produce uh, physical symptoms in people, have gone up significantly, particularly among the younger age group, uh, 18 to 24, 24 to 30 mm-hmm. age group. And I certainly agree with your comment earlier about the research. Uh, this whole field of medicine that I'm talking about um, is finally getting the scientific support uh, that it's long deserved. Uh, we recently um, helped to fund a research project involving patients with chronic back pain in which uh, there was a uh, experimental group in which they received uh, eight sessions of a particular kind of uh, psychotherapy that can help people get insights into the stresses that they're coping with and can disconnect the fear of bodily damage uh, from their chronic pain. And we compared that with two different control groups, and we were able to show a, a definite improvement uh, in the physical symptoms, in the pain in those patients uh, that was mm-hmm. substantially and, and statistically um, more than they got in the two control groups uh, and was sustained for a year. We're very excited to, to see this uh, research published uh, probably late this year or, or early next year. But it, it documents um, something that my colleagues and I have known for, for decades in our personal practices that if you can identify the sources of stress in people, which may be childhood stress, it may be stress in your life at the moment, it may be anxiety or depression uh, connected to COVID or not. Um, And when we can identify those issues and and bring them into conscious awareness, we can treat them and people's physical symptoms improve, uh, which may be chronic pain or it may be a non-pain symptom. And that's just been um, uh, extraordinary to see uh, in my practice, and now we're getting confirmation from 
uh, the research studies like the one I just mentioned. So um, we're looking forward to um, the 2020s being a decade in which um, this approach to physical symptoms, uh, particularly any physical symptom that uh, can't be diagnosed as linked to an organ disease or a structural abnormality, but this will become a, a routine approach to begin a stress. Uh, what I call a stress. A stress evaluation. Okay. Now, have you noticed with, um, with people out there, with, let's go into addiction too a little bit there, uh, yes. with addiction that, that stemmed from the fact that not just because they were taking pain medicine, but they became anxiety for almost like a post-syndrome thing from something that bothered them personally. And everything is individual. Everything. I look at it. No two people are evaporating the same. No two eyes alike, fingerprints alike, skin alike. And no. Everybody's different all over the world. Per continent. We all are like um, a mesh into what goes on on this planet Earth. Living with the way the Earth is operating too, Doctor. So you take that atmosphere we're living in and we live in the Earth's rule too by the fact that we're needing to understand how that behavior of that is happening also. And it's it gets so complex because it is per person. Addiction, I don't personally, you might disagree, I'm thinking that eventually they'll find that addiction takes on the person, not the person to the addiction. Nobody knows if they're going to be addicted or not. They didn't know that. It could be to chocolate, it could be to anything, or a medication to assist with a problem, or whatever. If it's addictive to that person's body, all of a sudden you're treating somebody under an enormous amount of stress that snuck up on them again. Another one to sneak up. Am I right or wrong? Because addiction... There are a lot of pathways um, to addiction. I mean, certainly some people have suffered an injury and they were prescribed uh, a powerful uh, opioid to help them cope with the acute pain from that injury. And they may have then transitioned into a physical dependence uh, on that opioid. But a lot of, you know, in my patients, people in the category that, that I work with who have had stress-related physical symptoms, the addictions are often serving a role of a form of self-treatment for uh, chronic stress, for uh, Mm -hmm. repressed emotions that can be um, uh, linked back to treatment of the child uh, in which they had to uh, repress their emotions about how they were being mistreated as children. And that can produce a a great deal of um, personal turmoil and emotional pain and sometimes emotional chaos. And the addictions can be a way of uh, self-medication for that. And it's not only uh, addictions to substances uh, 
Sharon. It, yeah. it can be addictions to various behaviors, uh, right? Including gambling, work, sex, uh, exercise. I was to say sex um, too. Yeah, We're absolutely. Take a break. Even even That's shopping. It. I've seen addiction to shopping. Oh yeah. One person's <laughs> a form of coping. Um, I have friends with their that emotional week. turmoil. Okay, now we're going to take a break for just a moment. Don't you go anywhere because you tapped right. into something there that is going to be very important. And we have some more. We've got, thank gosh, we've got more time to come with some other questions I have. We're going to listen to our sponsor, Nature's Tears I Missed. COVID-19 as a carrier, the organ of the eye. We're learning that. In some countries, they're telling them to wear glasses. Uh, we're wearing masks. We're sanitizing our hands. Nature's Tears I Missed is a technology for the first time that's been tested worldwide now to be able to go in with just a tissue culture creative water, 100%, to be able to develop an immune strength to the organ of the eye to assist it to be able to slow down that evaporation that causes that to happen immunity weakness. Well, it's just a mist. It's universal, by age, simple. And by the way, gals, it doesn't even run the cosmetics. It absorbs. We'll listen to our sponsor, and we'll be right back with Dr. David Clark. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Discover the secret of Nature's Tears Eye Mist, an entirely different approach to eye care without eye drops. When your tear film is dry, your eyes feel dry. Nature's Tears Eye Mist naturally supplements the tear film with Biologic Aqua Absolute Premium Standard Grade of pure, all-natural water. Nature's Tears Eye Mist, just a mist. All natural, safe, convenient, no preservatives. Nature's Tears Eye Mist can be purchased nationwide at selected eye care professionals and drugstores near you. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water. If you have a question or comment, please direct your email to SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. That's SharonKleinaHour at Yahoo.com. Now, back to the program. Dr. Clark, we were talking before we listened to our sponsor about some of the addictions that happen in our lives. And I watch it sneak up on people not thinking for they'd ever be that one. It's kind of like we think it could happen to our neighbor, but not to us, kind of thinking you're somebody else, not us. Um, 
you were mentioning the different things that people can become addicted to also that, you know, it could be, in fact, on the show, a lot of times, Dr. I'll, I'll ask him <laughs> different ones, what is it you eat? And doctor, let's ask you, what is it you eat you can't eat just one? Do you have anything <laughs> you can't eat just one? Well, I, my personal love, I have a fondness for uh, dark chocolate, uh, <laughs> and um, the brand that I like comes in these little squares on a big bar, and uh, I try uh-huh. to break off one little square, and it's Buy hard not to have another one <laughs> and another one. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. But, and, yeah, and, it's, and it's, I've, it's... I've been places where people would, in audiences when I was a guest speaker, where I would, you know, tease them, and, and all of a sudden somebody says, oh, Chip. And then another one, I have ran into cherries. Uh, one is grapes, another one, and I ran into somebody, oh, they don't have, they never have it happen on the show. And I said, come on, Howard, you don't have anything? Finally, we got him to Dr. M&M's. <laughs> he said, well, I can't eat just one m M&M. and M. I said, okay. <laughs> but our bodies do that. We decide the palate and the body decides, ooh, and it takes off with what it does. And it could be anything. And like you brought up, it could even be shopping. I used to be a high fashion buyer. And I used to run into, we would run into people. There were shoplifters. They couldn't stop. If they couldn't buy it, they shoplifted it. Too many of those nice people could well afford not to shoplift, but they would take some extra yeah. too. And, a lot of um, these uh, issues, what, what came as a surprise to me is how many of these issues can be uh, traced back to uh, childhood mistreatment, uh, that people who uh-huh. went through experiences that they would never want a child of their own to go through. And uh-huh. the long-term mm-hmm. impact of that can be um, quite significant. It can cause people to choose uh, bad people to be in relationships with, people who don't Mm -hmm. give back to them as much as uh, they give. It can cause addictions, Mm -hmm. as we've talked about. Uh, People Mm -hmm. can be uh, highly self-critical. Eating disorders is another uh, form of coping uh, that can impact people long-term. Mental health problems like depression and anxiety, uh, sacrificing yourself for others uh, to the point where it's harmful to yourself. Um, difficulty feeling your own emotions, uh, all of these things I've seen in my patients over the years, uh, you know, that just on top of uh, sometimes the addictions. Uh, and it fortunately, the good news here is that with appropriate treatment, these issues can be overcome. When you understand the, the deep roots of them in mistreatment as a child, um, it's possible to help people overcome them, to turn their uh, self-esteem around, for one thing, to look back at the experience they went through as kids, and instead of looking at it as shameful, look at it as something that you heroically overcame, that you persevered Mm -hmm. uh, through, Mm -hmm. as if you were born in the middle of a dangerous wilderness and had to Mm -hmm. find your way out. That that shows that uh, it was through no fault of your own you were born in this place, but you deserve tremendous credit for having made your way out of there, and you should look I at yourself say at the end of the show, um, positively. 
at the end of the show, I always say forever, put a child's heart in your hands. They're all perfect. They all are perfect. But what I mean is, it's like you're pointing out, they're alive. They have a life. Yeah. I don't even know. I want to say the word human. They have a life. They're living on this little earth. They want to give, reach out to what's there, that un- live in the unknown and go on and keep moving. But something want, is say, holding them back because of lack of confidence. Something happened. And, That's um, right. Yeah. So many of them just want to play. You know, many of my patients didn't get sufficient opportunities to play as children because they were mm-hmm. in environments where they had to focus on the needs of other people in that environment. Uh-huh. And they didn't get enough opportunity to focus on themselves. So as adults, now, they feel guilty if they again. take time I'm, for themselves. I'm going to interrupt you again on that one. They were in an environment where somebody was taking over what they needed for them away from what the individual child was thinking they would need too. Uh, would you explain yeah. that to me? Because I think that's a good one. Good evaluation. Well, if, if, yeah, if, the, uh, if there's violence in the home, if there's drug abuse in the home, if there's uh, alcoholism, uh, uh, any any form of uh, dysfunctionality or chaos in that home environment can cause a child to lose their focus on themselves, which is where it belongs when you're a kid most of the time. Right. Try to focus on the needs of the family. Try to focus on solving the problems that they see around them. And mm-hmm. that's that's not healthy for a kid. They They don't get sufficient opportunities to play in an environment like that. And Consequently, as adults, mm-hmm. they find it challenging to put themselves on the list of people they take care of. And they kind mm-hmm. of are, uh, as adults, on a treadmill that they never get off, where they're constantly focused on the needs of everybody but themselves. And mm-hmm. sooner or later, uh, the body will protest. Uh, the body will develop symptoms as a kind of signal that you're not um, uh, paying enough attention to your own needs. Now, have you found... Something that I see all the time. I'm going to get into, um, uh, before I go on to what's going on, we've got the COVID-19 has caused a lot of of, uh, isolation to people who are affected by that concern and what it did to their jobs, what it did to their schools, what it did to everything. There was an impact. There was a huge impact on people. Um, then I'll get into the fires here pretty soon that you and I are experiencing here in Oregon and up and down the West Coast. But I want to bring up something. Study of food and diet to be a medicine to help people by learning to change their diet. Have you ever done any research on that? What they're eating is also could give them immunity strength. Well, it's, it's a controversial area that... Uh... Um, I was involved in um, hospital nutrition for uh, several decades, uh, especially mm-hmm. with people that uh, were too ill uh, to eat food themselves and had to be fed uh, intravenously. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, it's um, a highly complicated area, and a lot of my patients were convinced that 
they had a food intolerance or a food allergy. Um, but when you ask them more closely about it, you would find that, well, maybe they could eat this particular food uh, some of the time and it wouldn't cause any problems. And, you know, that's probably not a food allergy. What happens instead is that stress can cause symptoms in our body, and particularly if it's a gastrointestinal symptom, um, patients would think to themselves, okay, what did I just eat? Uh, and they would blame that food uh, for the symptom that had developed. But it may have been just a coincidence, uh, particularly if they don't get the symptom every time when they eat that food. And mm-hmm. so many of my patients, they would eliminate one food after another uh, any time they felt it was linked uh, to a symptom when most probably the symptoms were coming from stress. And I would see patients who would come in whose diets were down to to rice and water and, and white bread, and they, they had eliminated, you know, so many foods uh, that probably weren't causing them any harm at all. So it's um, um, the case that the majority of people that think they have a food allergy or an intolerance, unless they've been tested positive for celiac, um, a lot of people, when they uncover the stresses, uh, and successfully treat those issues, they find that they can reintroduce foods that they used to think they had a problem with, and uh, they make progress. They find that they can now consume those foods without a problem because they've successfully dealt with the stresses that might have been hidden from them before. Now, isn't there a blood test that a person can take about looking at what, you're, uh, uh, what you could be... Uh, your immune system is affected by and uh, certain things that might disagree with you, uh, a blood test that every doctor could there, have with their patients? There are absolutely blood tests out there. The, the one that I relied on most was the blood test for celiac, which is called a TTG or tissue mm-hmm. transglutaminase was the, the mm-hmm. multi-syllable name for it. And that's, that's an important test for anybody that uh, is mm-hmm. suspicious they might have a gluten intolerance, um, and physicians um, order that test uh, routinely in that circumstance. But there's a lot of other tests out there that are, frankly, less reliable um, and, you know, that Mm -hmm. might tell you all the the, the results come back uh, showing that there might be an issue. But I've found that a lot of people who've been told that they have a positive blood test for uh, an intolerance to a particular food that it, it turns out that when we identify their stresses, um, you know, whether it's childhood or present day or an issue with depression or trauma or anxiety, once those uh, stress issues are successfully treated, and we've got excellent treatments for all of them, uh, more information is at ppdassociation.org, by the way. And when those are successfully managed, um, people can go back to uh, consuming these foods and not have a problem. And I've, I've seen Wouldn't that they happen have to uh, be careful. over I'm and studying, over again. I, yeah, I've thought out and been studying for a long time glucose um, to be like a sugar of yes. the body. And I've been concerned about too much glucose from birth and um, what happens along the way with glucose. Um, with people getting that kind of sugar into their body and maybe having a reaction 
And I've really been trying to stress, and we've been bringing on from all over the world, scientists and physicians on the diet and maybe taking it to where there's a first incarceration, get a, <clears throat> get the first, get people in the first incarceration every time they're incarcerated for their um, going into classes and then learning how to change the diet into more vegetables, get away from so much glucose and uh, sugar. Um, now, let's get into the fires. We're both having a real experience on the West Coast. I'm an Oregonian. On the fires that are causing people to also now have a lot of mental challenges. They had the COVID-19. They're losing their uh, businesses. Um, Businesses they may have had for some of them 100 years, they're losing them because of all these different frustrations and things going in fires around them and, and so on. Then now they've got people losing their homes out in the neighborhoods in, around Portland and Washington and California and Southern Oregon. What, is you, what do you think somebody with your background would suggest to people to think how to deal with all of this at once, Doctor. All of it at once. Yeah, it, yeah, it is. Um, Are you there? Uh, even before all of this, and then um, you throw this uh, all on top of that, um, the, uh, the COVID, the economic crisis, um, the, the civic unrest that's uh, uh, afflicted so many of our communities, um, the um, you know, loss of businesses, the, the fear that you might get the virus yourself and suffer from it, the, um, the fear that a loved one um, might um, suffer uh, the virus and, and suffer long-term consequences or even death, uh, the isolation. And you've got now that, these that, fires going around you. How many fires do you think are up in Portland going on in the forest and people had to leave their homes and came back to know how the house was burned on top yeah, of that. I mean, there's, uh, there are two big ones in the, the Portland metro area. I think statewide uh, we've got uh, perhaps 10, I mean, and they're major fires. Uh, you know, they, uh, we've got as many big fires burning in Oregon right now as we had uh, in the most of the 20th century combined. Um, Mm-hmm. The uh, 40,000 40, people have had to evacuate uh, their homes. There were, right. uh, at least over the weekend, half a million who were under some level of uh, evacuation readiness mm-hmm. order. Um, and, of course, we've here, got here uh, the smoke in the air. Yeah. Here in southern Oregon, we lost a community out of at, between the Ashland and Medford called Talent, Phoenix, and that area there. People came home all their homes and businesses lost. So they not only had the COVID, they had, like you said, maybe not down here, though, a civic unrest to lose their businesses and be driven out of business. Then they've got that if they happen to have lived. How would you handle that? We've only got two minutes left. How would you handle that? With these people I would I would make several be- suggestions. You know, I would 
try to maintain as, you know, normal a lifestyle in terms of, you know, get up in the morning, make your bed, get regular clothes on, have breakfast. But, you know, maintain, you know, we have to maintain physical distancing for our safety, but you can maintain social closeness uh, with electronic means, you know, over the Internet. Right. You can, and, and with the phone, you can connect with loved ones and family, um, you know, all over mm-hmm. the state, all over the country, all over the world. Um, and that, you know, we've done uh, online happy hours with our friends uh, all over wow. the United States. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, I think that's, uh, you know, a way to stay mm-hmm. connected to people. Moving your body, getting some exercise, even if you don't leave your home, uh, you can still move your body, get, get a routine, some exercise, do some get stretches, a get a routine. Okay, okay. Um, get good sleep if you can. Um, optimize your sleep environment. It should be dark. It shouldn't be a, a temperature that's, that's a challenge for you. Um, you should avoid looking at a computer or an iPad or an iPhone or a television screen, you know, within 60 to 90 minutes of going to bed because the light off those screens can interfere. Um, Finding ways to to do some self-indulgence, to find ways to do something that has no purpose but your own joy. Right, your own personal An essential human skill. Okay. Absolutely. Now, what is finally, you you know, I would just remain hopeful because... Well, yeah, the 1918 flu was, was, was even worse than this one, and mm-hmm. um, people came through that, and we're going to come yeah. through this too. Um, yeah, we get stronger so and stronger hopeful. and stronger. I had a brother who was a graduate of Wharton with an MBA, and he used to say, it was an economist worldwide, and he used to say, everything you experience is another PhD. <laughs> you get through it. Now, what is the name yes. of your book? Uh, my personal book was called They Can't Find Anything Wrong, and we have mm-hmm. also a textbook, but it's written without jargon, so almost anybody uh, can read it. It's called Psychophysiologic Disorders, and that's the name of my nonprofit okay. as well, the Psychophysiologic okay. Disorders Association. Okay, we're, out of, we're out of time, but I want to thank you so much for giving your time to spend with our audience today because it is a very historical time. And thank you for coming on. We'll post your book and what we do with our press release. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. You and your family, we wish you well. And you as well. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Well, put a child's heart in your hands. It's like the doctor was saying. They're all special. And they all are perfect. I want to thank you for listening, and we wish you all a safe, healthy week. Bye. Thank you for listening. Join us next week for another edition of the Sharon Kleina Hour, Health, Environment, and the Power of Water, Mondays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel, with an encore Wednesdays at 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Remember to visit Sharon's website at SharonKleinaHour.com.